Today we want to talk about what does it mean to rightly divide the word of truth. The Greek word translated rightly divided in Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.15, which literally means to make a straight and accurate cut. In Luke 24.27, then the beginning with Moses and throughout all of the prophets, he went on explaining, interpreting them in all the scriptures, the things concerning and referring to himself. So Jesus now in the Old Covenant was predicted by Moses and the prophets to do certain things, like being born in a manger. So we know from that that The entire Bible reveals Jesus. Therefore, we interpret Scripture in the light of who Jesus is and what he has done. So that is the focus right here about rightly dividing the word of truth. The old and the new covenants are not the same. We go by what Jesus did. So we are allowing guidelines for interpretation with every verse in the Bible, receiving carefully with simplicity to understand that he being able to distribute the bread of life or revelation of the word to others. That's why Jesus came and got a new covenant. And now that is our call. This is the reason that Jesus taught in parables so that in using a physical object or story, it could give us understanding of a spiritual principle. Let's look at 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, Study and do your best to present yourself to God approved a workman who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling and skillfully teaching the Word of God. So when we study the Word and we receive the meaning of that word from the Holy Spirit. Now, knowing how it works in a spirit, we can actually handle and skillfully learn and teach. And this is approved by God. This is demonstrated by words of action in the word of life as we continually walk in the realm of the Spirit. Every scripture leads us into the kingdom of God. And we need to stay in that kingdom if we want to get victory because that's why Jesus died for us so that we would have all authority over all things. So study is the key to rightly dividing the word. The word is living and it produces life. So we must follow our study with honest and truthful comparison of those words in our life. In other words, whatever we hear from the Holy Spirit, we do it in our own life. Therefore, we need to start in the beginning with creation and seek to understand everything in between, especially the end. We have two different covenants, the old and the new, and it is the utmost importance that we understand each individually because they are totally opposite, and we cannot mix the two and walk in the supernatural. 
Let me give you a quick summary of the Old Covenant. It was an agreement set up by the laws which man had to obey. Therefore, it becomes a covenant of works. Matthew 5.17 says the Old Covenant of Mosaic Law was given specifically to the nation of Israel. And it was made up of three parts, the Ten Commandments, the ordinances, and the worship system, which included the priesthood, the tabernacle, the offerings, and the festivals. So everything done in the Old Covenant, they had to, through an offering or kill an animal, take the blood of the animal into the Holy Holies, which was the job of the high priest, pour that blood on the mercy seat and that everyone's sins were covered, not taken away like in the New Covenant. So the purpose of the Mosaic Law was to reveal the holy character of the eternal God. Although the law was good and holy, it did not provide salvation for the nation of Israel. No one will be declared right in God's sight by the works of the law. But through the law, we become conscious of our sin. And that's why we got the Ten Commandments. Now we realize that because we do sin, that we need Jesus to come and shed his blood once and for all and no more animal sacrifice. It provided forgiveness through the offerings for people who had faith in the Lord and the nation of Israel, but temporarily, because it was just covered. It couldn't be taken away until Jesus died on the cross and rose into heaven. It provided a way of worship for the community of faith through the yearly feast. And it provided God's direction for the physical and spiritual health of the nation. We must remember that before the law, people did not know that their wrong actions were sin. And that's why they used to live 900 and some years old, because there was no law. So now once the Ten Commandments came in, people now, their sin, and now... Instead of living 900 years, God says 120 years will be the most. However, they were not able to keep the law by works because if you broke one law, you broke them all. The new covenant was made in Jesus' blood between the Father and the Son. And we being spirit beings now are in that covenant so it can never be broken So they needed a Savior to save them. That's what the Ten Commandments was there for. In the New Covenant, that Savior was Jesus. And in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Speaking now of Jesus in Matthew 5, 17, it says, Do not think that I come to do away with or undo the law of Moses or writings of the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. Jesus had to do everything that was prophesied in the Old Testament. And once he fulfilled every prophecy, 
and forgive those who put him on the cross, he could die, take that blood up into heaven, and now everything is done to the point where we do not have to do any works. Through grace, everything is free. Romans 10.4 says, For Christ is the end of the law. It leads to him, and its purpose is fulfilled in him for granting righteousness to everyone who believes in him as a Savior. So as we now can give our life to him and become born again, that was the real reason that he came. Because when Adam was in the garden, he was walking in the cool of the day with the Father. When he sinned, he was no longer walking in a spirit. He was now walking in a flesh, and he could no longer communicate with the Father. But now when Jesus came and defeated death and the devil and sin, now we can make a choice to go back to what Adam had by giving up our earthly nature and saying, Father, forgive me for my sins. Take my life and do something with it. We are now back in that same place because we now are a spirit being that just came out of heaven, went into that body, and now through us spiritually we can communicate with the Father just like the spiritual Adam in the garden lived inside the man, Adam. And now it's back to the way it was. So therefore, Jesus had to come and fill the law to come to accomplish what man could not do through the law. So by his death and resurrection, he paid the penalty for sin, nature, and gave us an opportunity to become born again of the Spirit and become reconciled back to our original position in God. This is a reason it is so important that we see know and understand the differences between the two covenants. If we try to live in both covenants, we cannot walk in the realm of the Spirit because they are different times and different seasons. If we read and study the New Covenant with a mindset of works, we will misinterpret the Scriptures and not walk in the blessing of it. Because it tells us in Ephesians 2, 8, for it is by grace, God's favor, drawing you to Christ, that we have been saved, actually delivered from the judgment, and given eternal life through faith. And as a salvation, it is not of yourselves, not through our own effort, but it is the undeserving gift of God. And in verse 9, not as a result of your works, or your attempts to keep the law so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. No way can this be done in the physical. This has to be done in the spiritual through the blood that now that spirit man, you, is a new creation put inside that old body and now you have all dominion over the earth, not the body. So the Old Testament law reveals our sin and the ability to keep the commandments or the law of God and points us to God's Son, Jesus, who, by the gift of grace, is given 
his life to provide deliverance and entrance into the kingdom by faith. So grace now is what runs the new covenant. Grace means unmerited favor. You didn't have to do anything to get this. It was given to us as a gift. And now we live within it, and now we can think God's way and not man's way. So the Bible is the most widely printed and published book in the world. It is the source of Christian faith and contains Christian needs to know about God and about Jesus, salvation, the Christmas life, and more. It is a book of life, history, wisdom, revelation. It's inspired, fallible, and deep. It is the word of God to his people, the church, and the greatest love story ever told. When he talks about deep, it means it's so far away from what the world does that the world can't even understand what's going on. First Corinthians 2.14, But the natural, unbelieving man does not accept the things, the teachings, and the revelations of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him. Your body cannot understand any spiritual thing, and that's why God has given us a soul. And in that soul is what God calls a heart. So every time you see the word heart, it is a choice. The heart chooses. Chooses if it's of God, and he learns it through us in the word, studying the word, then he chooses God. If we haven't studied the word of God, He's going to choose the flesh. And he is incapable of understanding them because they are spiritually discerned and appreciated, and he is unqualified to judge spiritual matters. Flesh can understand flesh. Spirit can understand spirit. Flesh cannot understand spirit at all. So the Bible is written to those who will believe in what is written therein, and it's a guidebook for our spiritual life. A guidebook. In other words, everything in there, God says who he is, who you are, what he's going to do, what he wants you to do. It guides you to where he wants you to be. And that is walking in love, joy, and peace. It contains every answer to every question mankind could ever ask. Think about that for a while. Every question you have, the Bible has all the answers. Hebrews 1, God having spoken to the prophets in many revelations, each of which set forth the truth. And in verse 2, as in them last days spoken with finality to us and his son Jesus, whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things. So that means from the time that Jesus rose from the dead until the end. Every word in that Bible is final. We know what it is because we are studying the word and we act on it. The Son is the expression of the glory of God and the perfect imprint of his Father. When he had, by offering himself on a cross as a sacrifice for sin... 
he sat down revealing his completed work at the right hand of the majesty on high, revealing his authority. All authority then is in him. But what did he do to that authority? He gave it to us. Not the flesh, you, the spirit. Verse 4, having become as much superior to angels since he had inherited a more excellent name, the Son, the name above all names. Jesus' name is higher than anything, so if you get into trouble and you can't think of a scripture to say to defeat the enemy, just start saying, Jesus, Jesus, and the enemy has to flee. It was the heart of the Father from the beginning of creation that Jesus became on earth as a man to deliver mankind of the sin nature. Remember, he had to reverse what Adam did. Adam chose to live on the earth. Now he reversed it so that we can choose to live back into the garden again. He came to reveal his father. He did nothing on his own. He preached, taught, healed the sick, cast out demons, raised the people from the dead. He only did what his father told him to do. And that's what we're supposed to do. What is God telling you today? He's talking to you 24 hours a day in thoughts. Follow his thoughts if they're going in the future. That's from God. If they're going back into your past, those thoughts come from the devil. His death on the cross finished his work on earth, and then he died, rose from the grave, and ascended back to the Father to oversee creation until the fullness of time. And so now he's up there as our high priest praying for us 24 hours a day until he comes back to get his church. He is all things to all men and accepts and meets each individual where they are without judging, criticizing, or condemning. God gave you the choice to choose him or the enemy. You choose the enemy because he is love. He says, I don't know why you want to do it, but you made the choice. He is the express image of the Father. That's who Jesus is. The original manuscripts did not note chapter and verse. It was added later by the translators. So when Jesus spoke, he went from one thought to another within the same subject and from subject to subject. So the separation of the verses and chapters made it easier for us to understand the beginning and the end of the thought and the chapters many times the complete thought when he wrote to Ephesians. It's got many chapters, but that was only one letter, one continuous letter. So sometimes whoever put those verses in there wound up cutting off what he was talking about. So you got to go into the next chapter and continue it. Like in chapter 7 of Romans, you have to continue right into chapter 8 because it continues. In all these things, it is by faith we choose and desire to pursue God in his goodness. All the things that are in the Bible, 
we choose to follow God, remember the Bible is written for us, the body of Christ, the church. It is only through the teacher of the Holy Spirit we receive the truth and revelation of the written word. Like right now I'm talking, but as I'm talking, the Holy Spirit is telling you what you need to know from this message. Write it down. Because the words you hear are going to be a little different than what I say because he knows what you need and he's telling you at this time because you need to hear it right then. Because we receive the truth and revelation of the written word, therefore it is our personal study, personal study, and intimate worship that we can rightly divide the word of God. Every time you get in a word, have pencil and paper and listen to those thoughts. He's going to tell you exactly what it means. Let's look at Romans 12:1. I urge you by the mercies of God to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational act of worship. So God is saying, this is worship by you telling your body or your sin nature, you're no longer going to do what you did before because we are now going to follow God and not man. So how do we do that? Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world any longer, but be transformed by the changed as your nature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values so that you may prove for yourself what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. So he's telling you here, then to make your bodies a living sacrifice, you have to be no longer in your sin nature of the world, but just be transformed and changed as you mature spiritually. So how do you do that? It says by renewing your mind, focusing on godly values, meaning whatever the Word says or the Holy Spirit reveals to you through a thought, that is what we go by. That's how we're being transformed in from a worldly person into a spiritual person so that you may prove for yourself. Just look at that for a minute. As you're maturing spiritually, there's always doubts here and there. Well, is that from God or is it not? But if you keep and continue in it and you start doing the things that you hear, now when you see them work, you have proved to yourself what is the will of God for your life. That is his plan and purpose, and as son and daughter of God, we walk in his plan and purpose. We present our bodies to the Lord because it is the spirit that is living in the body that has been given authority on the earth. That's you. You're not the body, you're the spirit. So what is truth? In the Greek, the word basically means what is and what is not. Truth is absolute and complete. It has no variables. Now that is the truth of God. What is not is the things of the world. 
God says, I am. The Bible said God is. So what is he trying to say? He's the one that created the earth, so I am whatever you need. I'm the beginning, the end, and everything in between. That's what he's trying to tell us. He knows what's going on. So man must receive this truth by faith. Faith is just believing what God says and acting on it. So if he says, I am whatever you need, receive it and act on it. Briefly, here are a few simple words that many in the body of Christ interpret in their natural meaning, which keeps them from receiving the blessing of the truth. We cannot go by anything through natural means, which is your senses, what you see, touch, taste, smell, hear. You have to go by what the Word says. So let's take the word allow. Does God allow things to happen? Probably 75% of you told yes, but the answer is no. Allow means to permit. God gave us the authority on this earth. So that means what happens on this earth, because now he gave us that choice, we permit by what we say. Let me tell you that again. What you say, if you say I'm having a bad day, you're having a bad day. But you can change that by saying, no, I am love, joy, peace. And your whole day would turn around. Because God's word is absolute and truth. That means it can never change. Now he gives or permits his new creation. That's the only thing he allows is us to have the choice and the authority to use that choice. So after he gave it to us, which is the very second you're born again, you make all the decisions. But if you don't know what to do, you can ask. But he can't change it without you saying what he just gave you to say. And then he moves and it gets done. So he gives or permits his new creation, his power, authority, dominion, and use of Jesus' name and the ability to speak his word. Those are the things that he permits us to do. But if we misuse those, it's not on him, it's on you. We have been given a choice to live according to his word and by the words that we speak. As it says in Proverbs 8.32, life and death are in the power of the tongue. What you say is what you get. Let's look at a few other words. Discipline, test, chastise are verbs in the English language that usually mean punishment, Try, reprimand in the Webster Dictionary. Now, if you look at them same words in the Bible, we're going to tell you what they mean. It says, in the Spirit, we look at 2 Timothy 3.16, where it says, Every scripture is God-breed, given by his inspiration, and profitable for instruction, for reproof, conviction of sin, correction of error, in obedience and for the training and righteousness in holy living and conformity to God's will in thought, purpose, and action. 
So what is he trying to say here? He says, God does not punish us, try us, or prevent us as an earthly father would. He's given us the word. Because what does the word do? We just came into this world, the, the spiritual realm, from the earthly realm, and everything that we ever did comes with us. Every picture we saw, every word we heard is recorded in our mind, and now it has to come out. So when we study the word, God is correcting that error. Like say there's a hundred things that you did, bad habits. He has to correct every one of those hundred bad habits. So what is he going to do? He's going to train us in righteousness and holy living. In other words, each scripture is going to defeat one of those hundred things. And So if you can get the right hundred scriptures, you can get rid of all 100 of those bad habits. And now you have 100 good habits. And now your heart only has one choice, and that's God. But if you hang on to those 100 habits, even though you're going to go to heaven, they're all earthly. You're not going to live a godly life because your soul only has one choice, and that's the earth. God understands that. Well, that's why he will not punish us. But what he does is he puts in your ear what to say, what to do to get you to turn around and get back into the Word so you can get rid of those hundred bad habits. His love is greater than anything on this earth. He has given us himself, his power, his authority, and all his Word to teach and correct our minds and emotions has not been changed at the new birth. We mature in the realm of the Spirit as the Word reveals to us who he is, what he did, and who we are in him. We have to know all of that in order to get rid of our past. It is never on God if we feel that God isn't there or hasn't provided something. He's living in us. The minute that we were born again, he came inside us. He's always there. You're never alone. So don't go by what you feel Go by what the Word says, and that He's in you. We will need to look at ourselves, our faith, and obedience, and see that we are agreeing with the Word of Truth. If you're not agreeing with it, you're agreeing with the enemy. There's no in-between. Let's look at another word, control. So the question is, is God in control? God is love, And love does not control. We all know the fruit of love. Love does not control. It gives everyone a choice. Because if he controlled us, then everybody would be with him. There would be no choice. God gives to his people a covenant or an agreement to accept and follow. So if we choose to believe and receive whatever God says, it is ours. If we choose to receive only portions of his word as truth, then we will only get the portions we believe and receive. Did you hear that? What you believe, you will receive. What you don't believe, you will not receive. Why? Because you chose not to receive it. 
He does not control us, period. He has given us the Holy Spirit to be our teacher and helper and does not interfere with our choice. Because of his love for us, he impresses others to pray for us so that the Holy Spirit will draw us by means of the Spirit, but again will not violate our choice. In other words, other people are praying for you, your loved ones. Those words come into your mind and God uses them over and over again, telling you to love him. If you don't, he will not violate that choice. Let's look at another word, sovereign. Is God sovereign? Again, the answer is no. And again, he is the word and has set up his kingdom, which is absolute truth without variables, and he will not violate his word because he is not a man that he should lie. Sovereign means he's the king and everybody's got to bow down to him. No, he is the king, but he gives us the choice. If you are questioning situations in the Old Testament where he changed his mind in different situations, we have to rightly divide the word according to the differences of the two covenants, the law and grace. We do not know what God will do outside his word. In other words, if somebody comes against us, he will use every means, every spiritual mean, to get us protected. He sent his son Jesus in the flesh to reveal the Father to mankind and to save man from their sins. we got to remember that. He didn't die on that cross just to leave us alone. He's given us everything we need. It's because he died, paid the penalty, and was resurrected in life to pave the way for all his creation to enter into his kingdom. That's why he says in the Bible, spirit to spirit. He's a spirit, we're a spirit. We're, he's the father, we're the sons and daughters. In his will are all the promises, blessings of his kingdom. We are present at the reading of his will. What is he talking about here? When Jesus died, there's a will that is written so that everything that is in that will is legal so if someone in your family dies and say they leave something for you in that will you legally own it so what did god leave for us his word that's his will if you read his word you find out what you inherited three and a half thousand promises in that bible that you own and you can claim them. So who are you then? Every born-again Christian receives all that God has in his word. Study it. Say what you believe. And that should be all of his word. So go into the word and get the promises. They're yours if you don't use them. It's not God's fault. So increase comes from the word that you believe. In other words, as you study the Word and the Holy Spirit reveals to you the truth, then you understand it. You Now you know that you know that you know it's going to work. That's believing and that's faith. This is rightly dividing the Word between the Old and the New Covenant. This whole message was what 
we just said the dividing the old and the new because they're not the same. One is for the Jews, the other is for the whole world. So the new is the blood of Jesus. So this must be your way of life. Follow God and you shall have life and life more abundantly.